Hi, and welcome to Public Hearing. I'm Trice Brown, Multimedia Editor for The Plainsman. This week on Public Hearing, Mai Lee spoke with Joyce Thomas Vinson, the advisor for Auburn's Campus Kitchens and Assistant Director of Student Engagement and Service Learning, about how food insecurity impacts Auburn students and the community at large, and the work Campus Kitchens is doing to fight it. Stay with us. Hey, this is Collins Keith, podcast writer for The Plainsman. If you like this podcast and would like to support the organization and our team, you can visit our website at theplainsman.com and click on the button in the upper right-hand corner that says Donate. You'll be supporting over 127 years of local, editorially independent journalism right here at Auburn. Thank you so much in advance, and now back to the show. So could you tell me a little bit more about Campus Kitchen and what you guys do on a maybe day-to-day basis? Yes. So Campus Kitchen uh, is an organization that takes food that has been prepared on campus uh, but was not used. So this is food that would have been uh, thrown away. But we get that food. We... um, resource it, meaning we put it into um, individual meal packets, and then it is distributed to a number of different agencies in Lee County. Uh, Some of them are agencies that deal with children, so sometimes children get the meals, sometimes elderly get the meals, uh, but we do about 800 meals per week to people who are dealing with uh, food insecurity. Is this something that you guys just do and provide to other shelters and organizations like that? Or do you also provide meals for students or anybody at other groups? Yes, we we do provide those meals to Auburn University students as well. We have a arm of the program that we call the Auburn Family Meal. Uh, So twice a week, students can come in to the facility to pick up meals. we do that on Tuesdays and on Fridays. I see. Um, and how did this uh, organization start? Did you start it personally? I did not start it personally. It started as a part of a class from the Hunger um, Hunger Institute. We had a visiting professor, uh, Douglas Coots, um, and he and his class did a study on how many people were dealing with food insecurity in the Lee County area. And they were trying to determine if food insecurity was a real issue in this area and if establishing a campus kitchen program would be a helpful thing. At that time, there were 18 other campus kitchen programs uh, across the United States and Auburn became the 19th in the country and um, that was back in 2010, and we have been going ever since then. We started out serving 70 meals a week at um, the Auburn Methodist Church at their food pantry on Friday mornings, and the program has now grown from those 70 meals per week to over 800 meals a week. And why is, why is the organization something that you uh, feel passionate about and why you wanted to get involved in it in the first place? Oh, God, I love Campus Kitchen. I love the whole <laughs> thought of it. Uh, everything about it excites me. One, 
the fact that we're no longer just throwing away pans and pans of food. We collect, um, at our highest point, right before COVID, we were collecting as much as 50,000 pounds of food per week that would have been thrown away. So that excites me that we're not wasting that much food. And then at our height, we were doing over 50,000 meals per year. Again, those are people who need that food. And so for me, it's ju it just makes sense. It's the perfect marriage. Mm -hmm. Rather than throw away food while people are hungry, we can get that food directly into the hands of people who need it. So when they called me in to hear that project and what they were working on, and they were looking for an office to sponsor them, I was like, let me raise my hand immediately because I really believe in that mission. I really believe in giving back and I know how much of a difference it can make one to the people who are receiving the food. But then when you are a student who are giving up your time, who are helping others, it also has an impact on your life that goes with you, changes who you are and expands your education in a way that we can't do in a classroom. Mm hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned earlier about how this started as a, a study for class. Do you have right. any know, or in your, I guess, in your opinion, how do you think food insecurity impacts Auburn and Lee County as a whole? Actually, I think uh, food insecurity is a larger issue than many people realize. Um, at the time that we were looking at establishing Campus Kitchen, um, there was a number like 25% of people in Lee County actually have days when they're wondering where their meal is going to come from. That number also extends to and includes the Auburn University campus. Um, many people do not realize that there are actually students who walk around campus daily who are unsure about where their meal is going to come from. And then sometimes they will have some food, but it will not be full meals or it will not be nutritious uh, because they're getting something that's cheap and easy. Uh, you know, like the noodles that you can buy five packs for a dollar, but those are not the most nutritious things that you can eat. But when your finances are just that tight, that's what you can afford. Uh, so for a lot of people, they did not realize and still don't realize that students struggle with food insecurity as well. But one thing that I've, I've learned in working with Campus Kitchen is that for some students who are on campus here, it has taken everything that their families have to get them here in Auburn, to get their tuition paid, to get their books, to maintain their utilities. It's taking everything that family has. So the thing that comes up short is the nutritious meals. Right. What do you think are some of the sort of more broad leading causes of food insecurity, I think, amongst people in the area besides the poverty rate, I suppose? Right. Um, that really goes beyond uh, <laughs> beyond my expertise, I would say. But I do think that the poverty rate, because uh, the two go hand in hand quite often. When, when, when there's not enough income, 
then people have to make that choice between will I eat, will I pay my rent, will I pay my utilities? And the, the saddest part is that there is a segment of the population that is not poor enough to get assistance, like federal assistance, like food stamps. But once they pay all of their bills, there's very little to actually live on. So for that group of people who are caught in living right above the poverty level so that they can't, they don't qualify for help, those are people who quite often deal with uh, food insecurity. And the worst part about it for them is that's not who society thinks is hungry. So they, they don't even think, let me help this person. Right. What are some sort of overarching myths you think go, go with the idea of food insecurity? Uh, the myths, one I think is that people are lazy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think a lot of people have accepted that a segment of the population is in poverty because they're lazy. But what I've actually found and learned, um, both through Campus Kitchen and through the fact that I have a couple of sisters who are social workers, so they work with that population. Mm -hmm. And quite often what happens is that population is working multiple jobs, but at minimum wage, they're not making a livable wage. Right. So uh, it's not so much as they're lazy, but what they're making is not enough for you know, to support their basic necessities. Mm -hmm. So I think that the myth that um, it's because of laziness that people are in poverty is something that is that continues to be perpetuated in right. our thoughts. Uh, one of the things that I think is a real issue is education and access. Yes. In order to, to get to a place where you can make a livable wage, you really need to get a good education. And unfortunately, a lot of people below that poverty level don't have access to a quality education. And so the unfortunate thing about that is if there's not intervention, many times that cycle can just be perpetuated. Mm -hmm. So you have a mother who is not highly educated and can't get a job that, you know, would make more than minimum wage and then so she has her children and they live in that state of poverty and they normalize living in that state of poverty and so when they grow up they don't think i can go to college i can get an education i can get a higher paying job i can have a higher quality of life you know so that whole cycle is continued unless there is some form of intervention yeah, absolutely. And you talk about, you know, the myths surrounding um, food insecurity and sort of the perceived notion that people have on those who don't have the funds and are below poverty lines. Do you think that especially when considering college students, there is this shame about, you know, not being able to live um and, you know, being able to know where your next meal is coming from. Do you think that sort of hinders college students from wanting to reach out and seek help? Absolutely. That's one of the concerns that we have at Campus Kitchen um, is there's a stigma attached 
to needing food or not being secure. Um, so we try to make it very open, and that's a dialogue that we're having with um, Auburn University as a whole. How do we make it more comfortable? How do we normalize for students being able to say, I'm in a bad spot right now, I need a little help, so that they don't have the stigma attached to going and, and getting the the food from Campus Kitchen, or even visiting the food pantry, which is sponsored in student life. You know, they have a, a food pantry where people can pick up non-perishable items. So that is a conversation that we've had and will continue to have. How do we destigmatize it? How do we make it known that just like any other need you might have at Auburn University, you know, if you're struggling academically, students don't have a problem going to get a tutor. If you need to, um, you know, get your tuition paid, students don't have a problem applying for financial assistance. And so we want it just as normal um, if you're having trouble getting your food that you can go to Campus Kitchen and pick up a meal or you can go to the food pantry and do some shopping from those non-perishable items. Yeah, I, I mean, absolutely. I imagine this is uh, something that you guys are working hard against because like you said, there is so many myths and stigmas surrounding poverty. Um, right. So, and unfortunately in, in our society, there is a, a segment of the population and I think it's a pretty significant segment that almost feels like if, if you're in poverty, it's your fault. And so like there's some blame attached to it. And so it just continues to perpetuate that, that stigma. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think that's why I think it's great what you guys are doing. And I think that it's really, really important to also consider that, you know, you guys are providing this service for students, right? But yes. how do you really get them to want to accept this help, you know? Right. And that that's, like I said, that's one of the questions. And so we want to make it so that, you know, when you come in for orientation, as a new student, you learn about all of the services, all of the um, offices that are on campus to help make your stay as an Auburn student a successful one. And so we want um, food insecurity to also be included in that initial conversation so that it is something that you know about up front. It's not something hidden. It's not something that you got to go and find and dig out uh, because when it's hidden and not right out, right out front, that in and of itself makes it sound like there's something wrong with it. You know, if it's not out there with all of the other available services, then it doesn't seem, you know, it seems as if you're hiding it. And then if you're hiding it, then why are you hiding it? Right. So it goes back to perpetuating that stigma. So we're trying to, to get that conversation included with any other information that a person coming into Auburn University would get. Uh, we're also in the process of moving into a new facility. And then that new facility, we want to make it a more welcoming space. Uh, the university architects are working with us to put in um, space for sitting, for seating, um, space for you to, to just sit and rest, um, microwave so that you can warm up your meal and just make it something, a more welcoming space so that you could just go and sit there and chill out and get you something to eat and feel comfortable 
rather than like you're ducking in, get something, running out. You mm-hmm. know, we want it to be more open and welcoming so you'll students will feel more comfortable coming in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's great to hear that you guys are expanding because I think, because personally, um, like I've been an Auburn student for three years. I'm in my junior year and I really didn't know that much about you guys. Um, aside from the, I don't even know where you guys located currently. Right now we uh, operate out of Tumor Hall mm. up on the Hill dorms. Uh, we're in the basement of Tumor Hall. I see. Um, so but you- we're hoping that by November we will move into the new facility, which is Lupton Hall, which is in, in the quad area. Mm-hmm. So what other expansion are you guys um are you guys going to change any sort of aspects of the mode that you guys do and like how when you guys give out meals how you guys give out meals no right now we don't have any plans to to make those changes Mm -hmm. uh we have a number of different uh volunteer shifts throughout the week because students have to someone has to pick up the food someone has to pre-package the food for deliveries to, um, you know, the agencies that we take it to. Someone has to actually make the distributions or those deliveries to those agencies. Mm -hmm. And then we also have shifts that actually clean up, you know, because when you're dealing with food, you have to keep everything clean. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we have those four different types of shifts and they um, go all throughout the, um, throughout the week and so right now like i said we're doing about 800 meals uh per week so we have a we have a full a full operation going so right right now we don't have plans to to um change that very much right and you mentioned earlier about how you guys do on tuesdays and fridays i believe you said about giving meals to students yes um how is that set up well it's just the students can come in Mm -hmm. um and just pick up a meal as a matter of fact they can pick up multiple meals um and a lot of times they will get things that uh, are that you cannot store and save and send off to the agencies like the fresh breads or the fresh sandwiches or the uh uh, fresh vegetables. A lot of times those things are made available to students because those are things that you could store and give to the agencies later. Uh, the agencies will generally get things that, you know, like the, the cooked meats, the cooked vegetables, things like that, that can be frozen, but then prepackaged later and distributed. Do you, do you guys have a lot of students who come and pick up meals? Uh, we don't have as many as we would like. Mm-hmm. At our highest point, we probably had about 70 students per week. Um, I'm not certain what that actual number has been like this semester right. because I haven't, I get the numbers every Friday, but I haven't had it broken out. Uh, so I would have to find out for certain. But uh, after COVID, I know last year we had gone down a little bit where we were doing about 40 students per week. But I'm not certain if that is the same this semester. Right. And I think there are students that are in, you know, dire need, but I really don't think this is something that they even know really is an option for them. But I do think it would be great, like, you know, maybe, you know, at orientations, if they would introduce that this is a viable option, you know, 
Because it's right. A, I, I totally agree. Yes. Because it is a like. We, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. No, I'm talking right on top of you. Uh, but we've reached out to the grad school mm-hmm. because a lot of the students who come to us needing meals um, are graduate students. Um, yeah, absolutely. and you know you can kind of understand because a graduate student doesn't necessarily have the same support from home as the undergraduate student. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times those, you know, graduate students are returning students. And so um, we have reached out to them. We pass out information to them and they are the largest segment of our students who come in and get meals. But uh, I have had, I've actually had some students call me uh, because they knew about Campus Kitchen and, and tell me they were hungry and they needed a meal. Um, this one young man called me and he was like, I know that you do this on Friday, but I can't wait until Friday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so with him, I actually, I got out of my office and drove up on the hill and let him into the facility myself to make sure that he could get some food. So I gave him enough meals um, to, un- to make it to Friday. So mm-hmm. then he could come back on Friday and get more. Um, so there's definitely a need and we will continue to work on getting that word out, uh, to students because we do want to, you know, it's good to feed the community, but yeah. we also want to take care of our very own students. Right. Um, I think that's, you know, majority of that is, you know, all I need from you. Um, is there anything else you want to mention about maybe, uh, campus kitchen or food insecurity in general? No, I don't think so. I think I've said everything. Uh, <laughs> I probably said too much. No, absolutely not. You were a great source for this. I'm really glad that I got to talk to you about this because it is such a, you know, overlooked issue. That is, you know, it's a huge issue, but it's so overlooked. It is a huge issue, and the thing is, so often um, when you're not dealing with food insecurity yourself or someone you know isn't dealing with it you don't even realize that it's going on mm-hmm. someone can be sitting next to you in class and be hungry but it's a problem you can't you can't see right so we don't think about it quite often um, but anyway i'm um, so i'm so the, one of the favorite things that i've ever done at Auburn university and I've been here 27 years, is work with Campus Kitchen. Yeah, absolutely. I love the project. I love the students that I get a chance to meet and work with. They are some of the best and brightest to ever walk across this campus, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So I love Campus Kitchen. Yeah, I mean, it sounds amazing. I would love to volunteer for you guys sometime. Well, come by. Grab a <laughs> shift. I will. You don't have to to a long-standing thing just you know like i said we have multiple shifts all week long so just just try one yeah absolutely um mm-hmm. thank you so much for talking to me i'm gonna let you go but this okay. was really really great and i and i think it's really good to put it out there okay i appreciate the opportunity thank you so much uh-huh hi this is trice brown multimedia editor for the Plainsman, and here's your news for the week As of September 27th, 49 people were hospitalized for COVID-19 at East Alabama Medical Center, or EMC Lanier. Of those 49, 17 were in the intensive care unit, 
16 of which were on ventilators. After peaking in early September, when 93 patients were hospitalized, 26 of which were on ventilators, the number of patients hospitalized for COVID-19 at East Alabama Health Facilities has consistently decreased. However, those requiring intensive care are there for nearly four weeks on average. According to EAH spokesperson John Atkinson, the 16 patients on ventilators have been hospitalized for an average of 26.24 days and counting. One patient has been hospitalized for 50 days. As has been the case for the last few months, nearly all of those requiring hospitalization for COVID-19 are unvaccinated. 48 of the 49 people hospitalized at EAMC or EAMC Lanier on September 27th were unvaccinated, including all 17 COVID-19 patients in the ICU. From the Auburn Plainsman, this has been Public Hearing. Tune in next Thursday for our regular coverage of Auburn City Council. I'm Trice Brown, signing off, and I'll see you next week.